following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 837 of The Big Old Show. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and still the scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. Well, we had a few people reach out to us and say that they missed the Thanksgiving mashup from listeners this year. Because it is yeah. the, the first year that we did not have our Thanksgiving spectacular where listeners record themselves talking about what they are thankful for and we play a, an anonymous mashup of, of the listeners talking about it. And we just got thrown off this year, you know, cancer and... <laughs> <laughs> cancer? Cancer happened, so that kind of... I thought you were talking about my astrological sign, which is also cancer. You is that what you thought I would be talking about? Yeah, you 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 like to talk about astrology a lot. I have to always think of the <laughs> what happened to I you. Don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but we yeah, had... definitely got thrown off. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even um, uh, our end of the year gift is even delayed because of that pesky cancer. Well, cancer, yeah. Cancer. Cancer, yeah. So we <laughs> we did have a good Thanksgiving though. With everything going on. Yeah. And it was very relaxing and enjoyable. We had a ham, no turkey this year. It is so interesting to me. I don't know why I say it's interesting. It's just, it's part of, it's like woven into my DNA Mm -hmm. that even when we plan on doing something super low key, Mm -hmm. I end up going a little nutty. Yeah. Like two fucking pies. Yeah. For just two of us. Yeah. Too much. Still eating pie. You, you go overboard. <laughs> even even during the grocery shopping, it was, we are doing a ham, we're doing like two sides, and we're doing a pie. And you kept coming to the cart saying, I'm going to get this because I'm going to do this too. I'm yeah. going to do something. And I'm like, no, no, no. What is wrong with me? <laughs> it's you, an affliction. Something's wrong. You were getting into the holiday spirit. I guess. That's I just like to cook, man. Yeah, you want to cook everything and you're going to be cooking on Friday. We're going to have friends over. So, you know, things are, I think you're feeling more like yourself post-cancer, post-cants, yeah, as it po- were. Post-cants. Yeah, I'm, it is like even my, the scar that, that has run through my belly button mm-hmm. is like, I, I call it the scar, but it's like the, the incision. I'll call it the incision. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't hurt like it used to. I still have like breakthrough pain, um, and I'm able to stand for you know indefinite amounts of time now. Yeah, so. I I would say like the other day you were kind of holding your stomach in pain. Yeah. Like there is sometimes it does become a bit much still where you need to kind of rest. I'm but, trying to put a positive spin on it. Why yeah, do you got to tell well, the truth? <laughs> Why would you let the truth get in the way of the reality I'm trying to create? Through my positivity. Well, let me show you this little this little book I have here. Yeah, it's called The Secret. So no, no on no, my no. wish board. No, I've got able to stand forever. Okay, <laughs> the 
the <laughs> it makes sense that you are still having those moments because the doctor said that it would be like six to eight weeks, I think, before you're considered fully recovered, yeah, fully yeah. healed. So you're still in that window where you may be experiencing some some lagging healing time. It's happening, though. Yeah. Feeling pretty good. Good. So before we move on with the big program, we've got an email that we want to share with you. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, parenthetically the best part. Have you ever noticed the difference? Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Not very quick there. Have you noticed the difference between left and right when they decide to switch sides politically? Like you and mm. like you and Brittany, hashtag raised by wolves, came out from the right to the left and are well informed, intelligent, reasonable, and empathetic. Then you get people like Dave Rubin, Tulsi Gabbard, and others that claimed to be on the left, but then swing the other direction and are right wing lunatics spreading conspiracy theories and other nonsense. Do you think it's mostly a grift? I feel like it's a grift. Thanks for all you do. Tommy in Wisconsin. Well, let, let me, uh, do you have an opinion? Well, I'm trying to think, as I was reading, I was trying to brainstorm people that have started on the on, on the right that went left, like famous stories about that, because he's, he's noting that we have done that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of other, like, more more notable people like even politicians that have done that and yeah. i'm i'm struggling to come up with with names well i think i i guess i can only speak for myself and what my experience has been when you come out of when you come out of the faith tradition that i come came from you, you like even me you know when i lost my faith I still held to certain conservative principles because that's the way it always had been for me. But somehow I was able to develop the the ability to question why I believe and ask myself, why do I believe that? Is it just because that's the way it's always been? Or is it because it's the truth? And then when we started doing the podcast, we wanted to to really be dedicated to backing up the things that we say, not just, we didn't want to be those people who set a laptop down in the middle of the room and flip on record and everybody just talks into the microphone of the laptop and just, ah, we're just going to have a, a rant. We're just going to talk. We're just going to, our conversations are so interesting. Everybody's going to want to listen. We wanted to back up the things we said with, with data and research and fact. And so a lot of the things I used to believe fell away because I realized Oh, I I believe that just because that's the way it always was in my family, not because it's backed up by data. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I think that the people who do go the other way, the Tulsi Gabbards, the Dave Rubens, either they were always had that fascist lean and they were faking it because it, it made them um, in a position of power or money or whatever influence, or... They see that the right wing grift really pays because there's no real left wing grift to speak of. I can't think of anybody who's like, yeah, that guy's a shield, man. He's really, he's getting all that lefty money. This doesn't really exist, but you've got Daily Wire, you've got Daily Caller, you've got all of these, the Fox News is out there who are willing to pay a premium for people who are their token liberal who can talk the talking points. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, what's what's interesting to me is I don't know how someone like Tulsi Gabbard, who came out just before the midterm election, announced that she's no longer a Democrat and endorsed several candidates. I think 10 out of the 13 candidates that she endorsed (laughs) lost. And so right before the midterm election, she's switching teams to the Republican Party and then losing in a catastrophic fashion. Keep in mind, though, when she ran for president against Joe Biden, she was a Democratic uh, in the primary. She ran as someone who was calling Joe Biden too conservative. Like, she thought she was left of Joe Biden. Yeah, so I guess I just don't understand. Like, it seems very stressful to not genuinely believe the things that you're saying and just be, like, out in front of crowds. Or, like, even Dave Rubin. Like, for me to imagine that he doesn't actually believe the things that he's saying and he just thinks this is the most... uh, this is the most likely route for him to be able to make a living that will sustain his lifestyle or whatever. I don't like, I don't, that seems very stressful to me. It's like living a lie and having to keep up the lie at every moment of your life. Yeah. And like how much longer can you do that? Or is that going to work for you? Yeah. The, the, the other element of this that is kind of interesting to me is when someone makes a dramatic shift rapidly from Democrat to right-wing provocateur like Tulsi Gabbard, for instance, and she's the most, she's the latest. My conversion to the left and then to the progressive left was very gradual. It wasn't like I woke up one day and like, oh, I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal. Even before the 2016 election, I wasn't a Republican, I was an independent, and it was the day after Trump was elected that I changed my party um, registration to Democrat because I realized it's time to pick a side. Mm-hmm. This middle of the road, I'm a moderate, I'm a centrist. Oh, both sides, both sides. I knew that wasn't going to fly and we needed people to pick a side. Mm-hmm. So it was, but it was gradual to get to where I am now. It's it's little by little, trickle by trickle, the old ways of thinking falling away, realizing that they're wrong, and also a shift in priorities in some way because it's, I put more value on people than I do what the Constitution says and what the the, the structures say. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a few years ago where my, my New Year's resolution was always punch up, never punch down. And I think I've done a really good job of holding to that, which has informed a lot of my politics as well. Yeah, I also, my experience was, I I mean, I was obviously raised in a white supremacist household, but once I started to understand what politics was and I started to see how chaotic my family living situation was mm-hmm. like it was you know it started really with me understanding the psychology of my family and the intergenerational transmission of trauma and the likely outcomes that I was facing based on what I was raised in and it really that's when like the learning took place I think that then created an environment for me to see okay there are two parties in this country And one seems to be more concerned with helping people that come from what I do. Yeah. The other one doesn't seem to give a shit about that. So that's really when it became stark for me, like as a teenager. And I've been joking to some of my friends now that I have a YouTube channel and I'm talking about these things on YouTube 
I know that it is not surprising to anyone, for example, who like worked with me at my first job when I was 16 and like debating <laughs> abortion in the kitchen with everyone as we yeah. were making pizzas. I know it is not surprising to any of those people if they happen to stumble upon my YouTube channel that I'm now talking about abortion on YouTube, for example, because <laughs> I've always been this annoying is what I'm saying. And I, I'm just, I'm grateful because even then I was making stupid arguments, even though they were the right, quote unquote, right arguments. I was making sloppy, uneducated arguments. And I really didn't find my way to how we, how we, we know what's true and basing things on evidence, like you said, until college and grad school. Like that's Mm -hmm. where I really figured that stuff out. So I'm, I'm grateful for my journey. I don't want anyone who listens to it to give me too much credit. Like you just said, like it was, you know, you woke up one day and just flipped on the switch and now you're right about everything. I mean, still I fuck up. I don't get everything right. So I say that meaning like it's, it seems a little griftery that there's like this eureka moment that, oh, my entire life as a public servant, I'm Tulsi Gabbard, my entire time as a congresswoman, all of that is, oh, I was wrong. All of a sudden, nope, Carrie Lake, that's who needs to be governor of Arizona. Ron DeSantis, the fascist racist, that's who needs to be governor of Florida. All my time as a Democrat, oh, what was I doing? Right. <sighs> yeah, so those seem like red flags. Doing it very soon, your your principles really shouldn't be that flexible. I mean, if they're actually based on your principles right. and your values, yeah. like that shouldn't be something that rapidly shifts. Like, even when I was a Republican, my animating uh, principles were human rights. Like it was, it was same-sex marriage that really forced me out of the Republican Party because it's a civil rights issue. It's a human rights issue. Right. And even when I called myself a Republican, I was writing letters to the editor defending marriage equality. Mm-hmm. So those things are—they were the the common thread that still remain. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. For Thank the email. you, Tommy. We appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Chana R. Chana R. Jeff M. Jeff M. Pavel. Pavel. Kevin H. Kevin H. Lorenzo C. Lorenzo C. Bill G. Bill G. Morwenna M. Morwenna M. And then we want to give a special shout out. We to, love the special shout outs. To, <laughs> to No E. No E. For increasing the pledge mm. on Patreon. That is fantastic. Thank you Great. so much, very much for your support. We could not do it without you. Like Jesse said, we are continuing to prep for our end of year gift. We actually got a preview of the artwork. We gave some feedback on that round of artwork, and we are going to be getting another round of the artwork back because, listen, 
We have to make it perfect for you guys, okay? It needs to be perfect. Let's not go crazy. We need to make it perfect enough. No, this is like a Steely Dan <laughs> album in this house. Oh, oh, Jesus. And it is going to be perfect however many tries it takes. 82 takes. I'm Donald Fagan right now. That is how we are running this show, okay? You're so much Donald Fagan that these references are, I'm sure, going way over the head of most of the audience. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> I love my com- comedy to be relevant to everyone. So, But thank you very much. We could not do it without you. We know things have been hectic with Jesse's cancer diagnosis, and we appreciate you hanging in there as, cancer we, card. as we continue to adjust and get things back to normal. It's also, you know, the holidays, December. How am I supposed to keep my skin moisturized? Does anyone have any ideas for me? Because I can hardly take this winter skin, yeah, honestly. Living in D.C. is bizarre because you go from 100% humidity in the summer <laughs> to fucking negative 300 in the winter. I am I need to get a humidifier, I think. I think that's the next step for me. Yeah? Yes. Get I, off my lawn! Well... My humidifier's acting up! <laughs> No, I genuinely believe that's where we're headed. Great. Yeah. So anyway, the other way that you can support the channel, support the show as I go into YouTube mode apparently, is uh, buy some merch. We've got a couple new designs. One that says, I don't care what the founding fathers say. And the other one is abolish the filibuster. You can go to dollamore.info and that'll redirect you to our Teespring store. And all of that, the proceeds uh, go towards supporting the show. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. And... uh, Moving on. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. We have been talking about Brett Favre. I don't know if we've been doing it on the show. We were doing a little two-person YouTube show before you had your cancer surgery. To I think I agree with that commenter. That is enough about enough the cancer. about yeah. the fucking cancer. Well, listen. <laughs> it's just a point and t- it's a reference point for time now. Yeah, because we were doing these two-person shows basically to get your audience accustomed to seeing my face so they didn't completely just abandon the channel altogether after YouTube seeing YouTube audiences are fickle. So we talked about this massive welfare scandal that is happening in Mississippi where they diverted funds that were intended to be used for welfare to various places. And one of them was a volleyball stadium that Brett Favre wanted built for his daughter's school yeah. and other expenditures. And now we are learning that Brett Favre had his pesky little hand in that welfare pot again, but this time trying to get support for his unproven concussion treatment. Concussions are, are going to happen. Football great the Brett Favre appearing with other athletes and the head of a drug company in 2018, promoting a new treatment for concussions. Hopefully, Prevacus is, is that treatment that um, gets into mainstream in, in the next few years. And but, suggesting it so, reduces the swelling of the brain. If it can ever get approved and, and used, I think it will greatly help long-term health. Favre was the drug company's biggest outside investor and used his clout to urge Mississippi's then-Governor Phil Bryant to spend millions of taxpayer dollars to test the unproven drug. 
Favre wrote, it's third and long, and we need you to make it happen. I will open a hole, Bryant responded, indicating he would assist. A few weeks later, the company, Prevacus, received its first installment of what would be more than $2 million. From an unlikely source, according to court records, the state welfare agency, federal taxpayer dollars intended to lift kids out of poverty, ending up at a Florida-based drug company. Mississippi State Auditor Shad White tracked the funds. Even if the concussion treatment had been a viable, real treatment for concussions, you still can't spend welfare money intended to benefit the poor on a company like this. Four years later, the millions in taxpayer dollars are gone. There's still no evidence the drug works in humans, and it's nowhere close to getting approval. But Favre has continued to promote the drug on Twitter and podcasts in August describing his role. My involvement basically was... Uh, bring awareness, uh, generate some enthusiasm, maybe uh, funding. This past year, Prevacus entered a joint venture with Odyssey, a healthcare company in Nevada. Wall Street analyst David Maris says that joint venture is on shaky financial ground. To me, the financials say, look, this is a troubled company. On top of that, they have less than a year's worth of cash. So if you don't have enough cash to pay your bills for this year, how are you going to get a drug to the market? Based on what you know now, would you invest your own money in this drug? No. In fact, you're better off buying a lottery ticket. The state of Mississippi is now suing Prevacus and its CEO as part of a broader civil action against Favre and others to recover misused welfare funds. Favre and the Prevacus CEO deny wrongdoing and say they didn't know the $2 million came from welfare. Earlier this month, Favre released a new message to fans regarding the recent allegations. Trust me, the truth will come out. In time. Five people have pleaded guilty in the broader welfare fraud scandal, including two key figures involved in handing out the money who have agreed to cooperate in an ongoing FBI investigation. There still is no indication Favre will face charges. So he wanted the $5 million award to build the volleyball stadium. He wanted $3.2 million for the drug company. And I just want to say, because Brett Favre is filing a motion to have his role in this Mississippi lawsuit with the welfare dismissed because he says that he he's not the one who misspent right. the funds and that he had no role in that and he didn't know what the money was designed for and so he he should just be dismissed from it but in his text messages okay again this guy with the text messages yeah i mean they should really put up his text messages when they educate people on the the dangerous aspect of putting things in writing or in hindsight maybe he should have watched the sopranos a couple times yeah <laughs> to learn how criminals you know don't put it in writing bro yeah so during all of this he was suggesting awarding shares in the drug company to phil bryant who was the governor at the time yeah because you know all of this is kind of like you scratch my back i'll scratch yours so he had discussed giving shares to the governor yeah so so phil bryant would personally not professionally not not the state personally financially benefit from giving public money to this company with this drug that doesn't work yeah for this drug that doesn't work here's a here's a text that brett Favre sent to a company official the drug company official in november of 2018 don't know if legal or not but we need to cut him in (laughs) And then three days later, three days later, he wrote, also, if legal, (laughs) I'll give some of my shares to the governor. Just a dumb shit. So he's putting in writing that he doesn't know if it's legal. Also, 
let's not lose sight of the fact that Brett Favre, multimillionaire, Phil Bryant, multimillionaire, are scheming, skimming money from people who need it the most in the state of Mississippi, one of our most needy states of all. Yeah, the the poorest state, maybe the poorest state, and they are sending funds that are intended to help lift children out of poverty and instead sending them to someone who already has millions of dollars. Not only someone who has millions of dollars, but also a company, a pharmaceutical company. Pharmaceutical companies are famously just cash hand over fist worth billions of dollars. Yes. Well, and let's let's also note that at the beginning of that clip, you heard Brett Favre going on and talking about this drug that was not FDA approved. Would you like to guess what show he was on promoting this years ago? <laughs> Fox and Friends. I mean, that's a good guess, but it was <laughs> Megan Kelly today when she, uh. she pivoted from Fox News and went to uh, create her own Today Show because she wanted to be the next Oprah. Yeah. But then she couldn't resist defending blackface. Like, she felt so passionately about blackface that she had to defend <laughs> it and ruin all of her hopes and dreams what for is, being the next Oprah. What is funny and sad about that is that's not really a mischaracterization of well, what took place. pretty accurate. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty accurate. <laughs> Well, what's this? What hill am I going to die on? Blackface for Halloween. Yeah. Speaking of blackface, we have notable racist Nick Fuentes in the news. And I honestly did not know who Nick Fuentes was, Jesse, until you started doing videos about him. Mm. So I learned. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, I learned about him through you. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people are now learning about Nick Fuentes because he met with Donald Trump and Kanye West at Mar-a-Lago. Kanye West is now hanging out with Nick Fuentes. They're apparently buddies. And uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, another well-known white supremacist. Yeah, and Milo Yiannopoulos is actually, I guess, Kanye West's campaign manager to be president for 2024. Yeah, which is just a scam to draw a vote away from whoever the Democrat is, so Donald Trump has a better chance, just like they did in 2020. Yeah, so so Donald Trump, people are are criticizing him for meeting with Nick Fuentes, rightfully so, because Nick Fuentes is a despicable racist. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. He is a terrible person. And- Holocaust denier, misogynist vile white supremacist. Yeah, and if you if you don't know who he is, we're going to play a few clips here so you can really get a full spectrum of what his views actually are and I guess the kind the caliber of person that gets a seat at the table with with the president. We have got to talk about the fundamentals of our worldview and what it would look like to build a society based on our distinct worldview, which is different from the left, different from a godless, atheist, constructivist, liberal worldview. And what does that look like? Does that look like a society where you have gay marriage and birth control and contraceptives and legal, ubiquitous internet pornography and all the rest, but uh, transgender kids aren't playing in girls' water polo? No, that's not what it looks like. It looks like a society where women don't have the right to vote. And it looks like a society where boys and girls get married as teenagers and start having kids. And they don't use birth control and they don't use contraceptives. And they have big families and a high birth rate. And it looks like 
women wearing veils at church. And it looks like women not being in the workforce. And it looks like mothers raising their kids. And it looks like pornography being banned. And homosexuality and transsexuality, as well as heterosexual sodomy, as well as fornication and adultery being shamed by the society and maybe in some places, in some jurisdictions, regulated by the law. It's not enough to say we're against trannies. You got to be against women's rights, too. It's not enough to be against blue-haired feminism. You got to be against women getting educated. Okay? Or else, what are we really trying to achieve here? 1999? 1999 sucked, too. We want to go back to, to 1099. We want to go back to the Middle Ages. So we're burning your gay pride flag. We're burning your gay pride float. And then we're going to drag your bitch wife out of her house, kicking and screaming. And then we're going to burn her at the stake, too, for being a witch. So... Trump had dinner with Nick Fuentes, and I want to read some reporting that indicates how Trump interacted with Nick Fuentes mm-hmm. and what he thought about Nick Fuentes. So this reporting from CNN says that Trump was engaged with Fuentes and found him, quote, very interesting, a source said, particularly Fuentes's ability to rattle off statistics and data and his familiarity with Trump world. During the dinner, Fuentes told Trump that he was familiar with Trump's base, which preferred Trump being natural and himself speaking off the cuff and ad-libbing. Trump said his advisors don't like that and want him reading from the teleprompter. At one point during the dinner, Trump declared that he liked Fuentes. Yeah. Listen, this is, one, Nick Fuentes is a self-described 25-year-old virgin. I will add incel puke. But these are pernicious views that are being, he's breaking bread with the ex-president of the United States of America. So all of you people are like, you're just obsessed with Trump. You can't stop talking about Trump. Just let him go. Who cares? This is why. Because he's running to be president again. And these are the people he's surrounding himself with. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was I was reading an interview that Kathleen Ballou recently did. She is a historian and wrote wrote a book about white power activism and is a scholar in that area. And she talked about the fear that she has with all of this is that the white supremacists that that are primarily running in these underground circles are going to be able to tell people in those underground circles, look at Nick Fuentes, yeah. who, who was at the table with Donald Trump, yeah. basically saying, we have the ability to come into the mainstream we have an ability to sit with people in the mainstream at the table. And so these views, right, that people try to say are, oh, we got to keep it under wraps. We got to keep it quiet. No, we can go out in the mainstream. And that that is the scary thing is that they can use it to sell people on what the movement can become. Yeah. And that's that's from a, a scholar talking, if you don't want to take it from me. So I think that's the scary thing. But it, like you said, it is important to know who Nick Fuentes is, what he has said, because there are many people out there like him. There are people who listen to him and think that what he what he says is correct, and, and they think, oh. Yeah, including Donald Trump. Yeah, did you hear him say that we should start families as teenagers, even though he's 25 and hasn't had sex? Like, they don't think about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're not really putting two and two together. Yeah, here's more from the incel puke. Nine and 10 blacks vote for Democrats. Why do they do that? God only knows. 
Why do they play the knockout game? Why do they punch white people in the street for no reason? Why do they rob five 7-Elevens in 30 minutes? Why do they walk around with their pants around their ankles? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not black. So it's not my experience. It's unexplainable. But this is what they do. <laughs> okay, This is how they are. It is what it is. That black vote is locked in, man. It is totally inelastic. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter what they believe or who they like. I mean, it just doesn't matter. So why would we create these opportunity zones and a platinum plan and just send the military in. Do what must be done. Send the military into these black neighborhoods. Make the streets safe. They'll complain about it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're never going to vote for us. One of the most alarming things surrounding this, and not this vile, sinister, dangerous, hateful rhetoric, that too, is the fact that so few Republicans have come out voluntarily and admonished at the least and condemned at the most Donald Trump having dinner with this guy. Mm -hmm. Republicans are such fucking sniveling cowards. So afraid of Donald Trump and his Svengali-like hold over the base that they won't come out and say, oh, oh, no, last straw. I don't know why it would be the last straw when they couldn't even do it when he failed. He refused to condemn David Duke, the former Grand Wizard of the KKK. This is who they are. Cowards. Well, and let's remind people what happened with that exchange, because I think sometimes we we talk about it. But he was he was asked, Donald Trump was asked by Jake Tapper. This was in 2016. He was asked to denounce David Duke. And Jake Tapper's very clear in this clip. David Duke, who had just endorsed Donald Trump for president. And Jake Tapper's very clear in this clip. He talks about the KKK. He makes things very clear. And yet Donald Trump cannot denounce. I don't know what group you're talking about. You wouldn't want me to condemn a group that I know nothing about. I'd have to look. If you would send me a list of the groups, I will do research on them. And certainly I would disavow if I thought there was something wrong. But you may have groups in there that are totally fine and it would be very unfair. So give me a list of the groups and I'll let you know. Okay. I mean, I'm just talking about David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan here, but... I don't know. Honestly, I don't know David Duke. Which is a lie because Donald Trump wrote uh, an op-ed in the year 2000 condemning David Duke and stepping away from the Reform Party because David Duke had involvement. Mm -hmm. So it's just a fucking lie. And Republicans won't just come out. And now there's a trickle. There's a trickle. Mitch McConnell, in some half-assed way, said, well, no person who has dinner with these people, I believe, will ever get the nomination. Right, and then he was asked by CNN's Manu Raju if donald trump does get the nomination would mitch mcconnell support him for president and mitch mcconnell reiterates that there's no place for anti-semitism or racism in the party he doesn't give an answer because the answer is well of course i would because ultimately this is about power because donald trump i mean there were headlines donald trump meets with a a white supremacist yeah well donald trump is also racist and so we we know that he's sympathetic to these views we know that if he listened to that disgusting racist rant against black people that you just heard from Nick Fuentes that Donald Trump would likely agree with that. Of course. And so when he meets him at a dinner, I mean, imagine you're talking to someone who holds these views. He's, he's saying that he finds this person interesting. Yeah. And I like him. I like you. Nick Fuentes. I played it on in a YouTube video. Uh, didn't get watched very long much because it's like 25 minutes long, but 
He said he's gushing over the fact that Donald Trump told him, oh, he said he likes me. Oh, me? What? I mean, it's it's the highest compliment for these trolls to have troll in chief um, voice his approval. Right. Of them and their views. Well, and here's another example of a, a Donald Trump ally, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Donald Trump, refusing to condemn Donald Trump for meeting with Nick Fuentes. As a grandchild of Holocaust survivors, I am concerned with the mainstreaming of anti-Semitism wherever it comes from. And I I, I condemn Kanye's anti-Semitism and I condemn... Do you condemn the former president for meeting and with anti-Semites? Sir, sir, I, you know, I... You I said you condemn anti-Semitism and the mainstreaming of anti-Semitism. Do you condemn the former president for meeting with anti-Semites, for entertaining anti-Semites and anti-Semitism. Let, let me just explain it to you this way, sir. I know the president is not an anti-Semite. He does not need to apologize. I'm asking you if he's an anti-Semite. I'm asking you if you else. entertain, do you condemn him for entertaining and meeting with anti-Semites? It's a very simple question. Well, I'm trying to give you an answer that it's a uh, yes I wish or no. It's a yes or no. I didn't realize I was on a witness stand here, Don. Um, look, I'm trying to have a substantive conversation about a real issue like anti-Semitism, and you're you're trying to make it all about Trump. It's not about <laughs> well, Trump. It is about it's Trump. about we're about, we're talking, sir. We're talking about the former president meeting with an anti-Semite. How is this not about Trump? Because it's about the anti-Semitism. It's not about Trump. It's about uh, making sure that the issue of anti-Semitism is confronted in a way, in a substantive way, in which, you know, obviously I'm sure you're aware there's rising anti-Semitism in the United States and the world. It certainly is important for us to take it on. It is important for us to call it out. I am calling it out. I am saying... He should not have met with Kanye West and a sidekick. What I'm also trying to point out, Don, is that it behooves you and uh, you know CNN and every other press outlet to call it out when you see it, especially when it comes in the halls of Congress, especially when every Democratic presidential hopeful goes and I kisses think, the ring listen, of Al I've seen it does that. Who, and when, and when the is, issue... So he's very comfortable saying that CNN needs to be more comfortable yeah. calling out anti-Semitism, but he's he he will not say that to Trump. He's also very comfortable using the word condemn against Kanye West, a black man. Oh, I condemn it. I condemn him. But then, oh, well, what about Donald Trump meeting with him and his little racist pal? Right. Uh, 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 anti-Semitism's on the rise. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Do you condemn him meeting? Oh, this isn't about Donald Trump. Right. Just... Everything he can do. Former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State. Yeah. Yes. So this is what we're going to expect from Republicans. And like you said, we're already seeing this because the the leadership within the Republican Party, save Mitch McConnell, finally coming out today after days of pressure. I mean, it's and been half-assed when he did. Yeah, it's been days of pressure for Republicans to say something, but largely they have been silent. Tonight, another reckoning for the Republican Party after former President Donald Trump dined with a white supremacist at his Mar-a-Lago club. Trump is really impressed with Nick Fuentes. Rapper Kanye West brought Fuentes, a neo-Nazi, to dinner with Trump, who says he didn't know him. 
In the aftermath, silence from GOP leadership. The loudest condemnations coming from those Republicans likeliest to challenge Trump in 2024. I hope someday we won't have to be responding to what uh, uh, former President Trump has said or done. In this instance, it's important to respond. It's very troubling. Former Trump ally Chris Christie calling it another example of Trump's awful lack of judgment. He's issued a statement and said he didn't know uh, who those people were. But at any rate, you know, my focus is going to be on uh, investigating the current administration. It comes as Republicans ready to take control of the House and ramp up oversight. We're going to investigate between 40 and 50 different things. Among them, COVID-19 funding and the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. The veterans deserve this, first and foremost. Plus, more controversial topics, like Hunter Biden's laptop. But while the GOP game plan is set, who will lead the charge is not. Let's get America back on track. Top Republican Kevin McCarthy working to win the 218 votes he needs to become House Speaker. A handful of Republicans vowing they'll never vote for McCarthy toughens his task. And yet... The fact is, what's the alternative here? I do think he will get the votes to 18 on January 3rd. But even as Washington looks ahead to 2023, one key 2022 race left to run. Georgia voters flocking to the polls this weekend in that marquee Senate runoff. More than 90,000 voted already, rivaling November's midterm early voting numbers. A win here still essential, even though Democrats will already keep control of the Senate. And Ali joins me now from Washington. So in addition to all you laid out there, there's still one month left of Democrats controlling both the House and the Senate, right? Yeah, that's right. Lawmakers have a long to-do list before they close the book on this Congress. Election reform, same-sex marriage protections, and funding the government, all things Democrats hope to tackle in just the next month. Kate? It is remarkable to me that in a two-party system that we have, I mean, effectively, it's a two-party system, You have one that is so opposed to the well-being of Americans and so in the tank for a guy like Donald Trump who is an open white supremacist. I just, bizarre to me, bizarre that they are so weak and feckless and spineless that they cannot just come out and say what would be politically expedient for them. Mm -hmm. Expedient for them. Well, I mean, if you want an example of what Fox News was focusing on in the midst of all this, they had a breaking news about masks. And we have breaking news at this hour as Democrats in one area are bringing back masking just short of a mandate. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what? She, dun, dun, dun. Breaking news, everyone. Everyone gather around your television sets. I've got breaking news. Some random fucking place <laughs> might maybe put in a mask. What? Yep. Where is what? What's happening right now? Breaking news. People are wearing masks somewhere. <laughs> and that is news for Fox News, apparently, that people are still wearing masks, which by the, the Chiron during this, the Chiron says trio of viral illnesses batters U.S., and then breaking news, masks, not the illness, masks. Right. I mean, listen, if you're concerned with the trio of viral illnesses that are battering the United States, right. wouldn't you be supporting methods that could help mitigate some of that? You know what? The, the, the breaking news should be, dun, 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 or whatever the fucking crazy <laughs> alarming music is. Uh-huh. It should be, oh. 
Most of America not wearing masks while this trio of viruses batters the United States. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I have noticed that there's definitely been a decline in the number of people wearing masks here in D.C. Yeah, yeah. Even on the metro. Yeah, which is strange. There's still a decent percentage, I would say, but it's it's gone down quite a bit, which has been, been surprising. I know in Orange County, my friends will say that it's... Uh, None. Very, very slim. I took the metro down <laughs> to get my hair cut yesterday and noticed that I was the only one on the train who had a mask on oof yeah all the more reason to wear a fucking mask (laughs) (laughs) oh boy we'd love to know what you think about this um i expect there to be some opinions so six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine of course you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to i doubt it at dollamore.com It's the asshole of today. It's kind of two at the same time. Mm. In this case, it is Michael McCall, representative from Texas, and Martha Raddatz. Martha Raddatz? I know. It sucks. But this is kind of where we are in our society, I guess, that Martha <laughs> Raddatz is journalists here. not doing their job. And that is. It is primarily because she's talking to Representative Michael McCall and talking about the border, and he makes... He makes a bold claim about DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, and she follows up on it in a way that, well, makes her asshole of today. And Congressman, just one quick question here about the border. You represent Texas this week on the border. Kevin McCarthy called on the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to resign, saying if he doesn't, he will seek to impeach him. Do you support those efforts? You know, look, you have to build a, I was a federal prosecutor, right? You got to build a case. You need the facts, evidence before you indict. Has he been derelict in his responsibilities? I think so. I have a wide open border in my home state. We have all these uh, people coming in. We don't know who they are. Terrorist watch list. Fentanyl's coming in, killing more young people than ever before. Um, really almost 100,000 now, which if you look at the Vietnam War, uh, equals what we lost in Vietnam over 20 years. So I think... You know, they are complicit with the biggest human trafficking event of our lifetime, and I think the American people deserve some accountability. Okay, thanks so much for joining us this morning, gentlemen. (laughs) What? Yeah. What? All right, thanks so much. Well, uh, crazy lie, propaganda, propaganda, lie, lie, lie. Uh, Wild conspiracy theory, lie, lie, propaganda, propaganda. Uh, Hubba-dubba-dub. Oh, well, we're out of time, everybody. No pushback. Thanks for joining us. See you guys later. Yeah. DHS complicit with biggest human trafficking event. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see you next time. (laughs) That's that's insane. I mean, she deserves to be asshole of today. Yeah, I mean, I know you're going to run out of time with some stuff, but come on. Hey, Brittany, we're out of time. We're going to have to go. Listen, we love you guys. (laughs) (laughs) We can't end on that note. Yeah, we, we cannot. Taking care of biz. Dr. Warren Hearn. Dr. Warren Hearn was recently on a segment that I love on PBS. Hopefully, if you've been listening to the show, you've heard me talk about my love for PBS. And they have a segment called A Brief But Spectacular Take, where they have someone talk about the work they're doing in their field or in the community. And Dr. Warren has been an abortion provider since 1973. And in this video, he gives his perspective on what is happening with abortion today. 
There was a particular case I remember quite well. She had red hair. She was in her early 30s, and she was shaking. And I said to her, what's wrong? She said, it's so different. You're a doctor. The lights are on. It's clean. The windows are open. Then she told me about her illegal abortion that she'd had, which was the most terrifying and humiliating experience of her life. Then she said, don't ever stop doing this. And so I didn't. In my third year of medical school, my first clinical rotation was on obstetrics. I was taught to deliver babies, and I loved it. It was a very joyous occasion for most of the women. On the other hand, we had women who were in a great deal of emotional pain. They were very much alone. My next rotation was on the gynecology ward, taking care of women who were desperately sick and about to die. And I learned that it was because they'd had an illegal, unsafe abortion. This is in the early 60s, before abortion was legal. And one of the things that I learned about was that the death rate due to unsafe abortion for black women was nine times higher than it was for white women. And thousands of women were dying each year. So this was a public health issue, a social justice issue, as a matter of great anguish and suffering for individual women. The Roe versus Wade case came down in 1973. I thought that implementing the Supreme Court decision, Roe versus Wade, was very important. It didn't mean anything if doctors weren't doing the abortions. I became convinced that performing abortions was the most important thing I could do in medicine. When I opened my practice, I wanted women to be able to know that they could walk in with their hat on and have a safe abortion, and that was the purpose. Our commitment was to that. Two weeks after the abortion clinic opened in Colorado in November of 1973, I started getting obscene death threats in the middle of the night, and I started re- sleeping with a rifle by my bed. That was 49 years ago, and really nothing has changed. There were five shots fired through the front of my office with a high-powered rifle. One of the bullets just missed a member of my staff. These people will stop at nothing, and they will accept any level of violence to impose their views on other people. This is a violent fascist movement. Overturning Roe versus Wade is a very significant decision in American judicial history because this is the first case where a right given to the women of this country has been taken away by the Supreme Court. A woman who is pregnant deserves the best medical care she can get, regardless of whether she wants to continue the pregnancy and have a baby or she wants to end the pregnancy. Women will have abortions whether they're safe or not, and whether they're legal or not. There is no justification whatsoever for forcing a woman to carry a pregnancy to term against her will, none. I am Dr. Warren Hearn, and this is my brief but spectacular take on specializing in abortion services for 49 years. I think, like we try to do when we keep taking care of biz at the end of the show, it's important to remember that there are good people out there doing good work that are continuing to advocate even in the face of the racism and the fascism and taking away of people's rights, that there are people that have been doing this work for a long time, that even in the face of struggles, of violence, of you know everything you just heard Dr. Warren Hearn talk about, that he kept going and that he's continuing to advocate for what's right. Yeah. It is so, it's such an odd worldview that I grew up in that 
they would, they, like my parents and the people I grew up around and the, my elders at the time, they would classify this gentleman as a frothing baby killer, like just a frothing at the mouth, evil, violent, scheming villain, and not the caring, empathetic individual that he clearly, fucking clearly is. Right. Good. Good for him and good for every doctor out there and every every helper, helper or person in the helping profession who who does, who withstands the, the, the death threats and the violence and the, uh, even just the, the, the rhetoric against what they do. For sure. Yeah, fantastic. So if you also, if you're in the mood, you, you need something uplifting, I would recommend just going in to YouTube and searching PBS, a brief but spectacular take. I don't know how often they put them up, but there are many of them already up on YouTube, and just listening to those is, is very motivating for me. So Yeah, we love the good it. news. Yeah. Even though we don't talk about it as often as we should. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. Or you can go to dollamore.info and check out the merch old and new and pick yourself up one. Or maybe for someone as a gift as we are in... Ye old holiday season. Can you hear the, the jingle bells behind me? I can. <laughs> and in the spirit. I'm not going to put them in in post. But. <laughs> anyway, Just imagine. We, we love you guys so much. Thanks for your loyalty and your listenership. You guys mean the world to us. And we will see you next time. Until we do, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. And this has been I Doubt.